Today's story feels like it was ripped from the plot of any gangster movie. It hits just about every Hollywood beat, from the protagonist's early days as a small-time crook to his decades-long game of cat and mouse with the authorities. And like every mob movie, family is at the center, for better or worse. This criminal's family is the reason why he became the most infamous kidnapper in the Netherlands, the reason he rose to the top of the underworld, and the reason why he's spending the rest of his life behind bars. This is the story of Willem Halader, the Dutch godfather. I'm Ashley Flowers, and this is International Infamy, a Spotify original from Parcast. On this show, I'm taking you on a world tour of 15 notorious crimes from 15 different countries. Today, we're going to the Netherlands to unpack the story of the country's most famous criminal of the last century and the family member who risked everything to bring him down. All of that is coming up. Stay with us. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. From the very beginning, Willem Holader's life was built around beer. Heineken, to be exact. When Wim, as they call him, is born in Amsterdam in 1958, his father works at the Heineken brewery in town. It isn't a high-paying or glamorous job, but it's enough to support the family, which includes Wim and his three younger siblings, Gerard, Sonia, and Astrid. The Holaters live in a working-class neighborhood called the Jordan. They don't have much, but everything they do have is thanks to Heineken. Vim's dad is obsessed with the company. He stocks the house with items he swipes from around the brewery. Everything in the house is covered with the brand's green and white logo, even down to the dishes in the kitchen sink. But as Vim grows up, he learns to hate that iconic green and white label because his father's job means he has access to an almost unlimited supply of beer. And when he drinks, he changes. 
Vim's father regularly beats his mother right in front of their children. Whenever she tries to stand up for herself, he screams at her and hits her until she says that he's the boss. He eventually starts abusing Vim and his little siblings as well. The smallest, most insignificant things send him into a violent rage, and the more he drinks, the worse it gets. Like one night, Vim's youngest sister Astrid couldn't finish her dinner. Her dad got furious and started heaping more and more food onto her plate, ordering her to eat it all. Astrid tries, but there's so much food her stomach can't handle it. She starts to throw it back up, and her dad shoves a spoon in her face and forces her to eat her own vomit. As soon as Vim hits puberty, he starts standing up to his father. He refuses to follow any rules and repeatedly blows off his nightly curfew. This leads to violent clashes between Vim and his dad. And the older Vim gets, the more it seems like he's not just fighting against his father. He's turning into him. Vim starts threatening and abusing his mother, even when she's trying to protect him from his father's wrath. One day, Vim angrily tells his sister Astrid that he is the boss, echoing the exact same words their dad forced their mother to say every day of their childhood. By the time Vim is in high school, his conflicts with his father reach a tipping point, and Vim moves out. To support himself, he and his best friend Cornelis Van Hout, Cor for short, find work as low-level criminals. The two friends have completely opposite personalities. Vim is sullen and quick to anger, but Cor is laid back and funny. He's the only person who isn't afraid of Vim's father. He just laughs off his threats and shoots back with a series of jokes. Vim's dad absolutely hates it. Cor's easygoing nature starts to rub off on Vim, but Cor also starts to pick up some of Vim's more violent habits. Intimidation and threats come easy to Vim, which makes sense. He's been learning from his dad his entire life. And all that bottled up rage actually comes in handy when he starts working in Amsterdam's criminal underworld. Vim and Cor start working as hired muscle, and eventually they graduate to armed robberies. By the time Vim is 24, he's done a lot of different jobs, but he's getting tired of small-time crime. So Cor decides it's time to pull off something big, something that could set them up for life. He decides the easiest way to score big is by kidnapping someone for ransom. It obviously has to be someone super rich, but not a royal or a politician, nothing that would draw too much attention. Vim has the perfect person in mind his father's old boss, Freddie Heineken. Freddie's grandfather may have started the family brewery in the 1800s, but it was Freddie's business skills that turned the company into a global brand. At 60 years old, he is one of the richest men in all of Europe, and Vim knows exactly where his office is. For almost the entire year of 1983, Vim, Cor, and a team of three accomplices track Freddie's every move. They watch him leave his mansion every morning and drive with his chauffeur to the Heineken office. They're there when he leaves every evening to head back home. In their downtime, Vim and Cor do extensive research. They read about the Lindbergh baby and the kidnapping of John Paul Getty III in 1973. They learn what kind of mistakes can get them caught and how careful they have to be to pull this off. 
They collect a variety of weapons from pistols to submachine guns and steal a whole fleet of cars so they have options once the police are on their tails. For a home base, they find a warehouse next to a wood manufacturing company in West Amsterdam. They put up a false wall inside so it looks like the warehouse is empty. And behind the wall, they build two soundproof cells. By November, every step of the plan is airtight. Every contingency is planned for. And Vim and Core are ready to go. On November 9th, the gang watches Freddy step out of his office a few minutes before 7 p.m., just like every night. But today, before Freddy can climb into his car, Vim and Core pull on their masks and pounce. They force Freddy and his driver into their waiting van. The whole thing goes off without a hitch. Almost. As they're about to go, Vim sees a woman across the street watching them. And he realizes he knows her. She's friends with his mom. But since he's wearing a mask, she doesn't recognize him. So Vim just shoves her down and someone sprays tear gas in her face. Then they hop in the van and speed away. Just like that, 25-year-old Vim Halater captured the billionaire whose brewery cast a shadow over his entire childhood. And now he's going to make him pay. Coming up, the Heineken kidnapping makes global headlines. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now back to the story. One night in November 1983, Vim is sitting in front of the TV with his younger sister, Astrid, watching the news. The top story is the kidnapping of Freddie Heineken. Freddie has only been missing for a few days, but the news has already spread all across Europe. High-profile kidnappings are rare in the early 1980s, and they're basically unheard of in the Netherlands. Just about every cop in the country is working overtime to bring Freddie home. As they're watching the broadcast, Vim turns to his sister and asks her what she thinks about the kidnapping. Astrid says, whoever did it will never get away with it. They'll be hunted the rest of their lives. She has no idea that just a few miles away, Freddie is chained up and shivering inside a soundproofed cell, counting down the hours until Vim returns with his daily ham sandwich. Vim and Cor had really underestimated how much attention the kidnapping would get. They figured the Heineken family would pay the ransom right away and they'd be on the run with a bag full of money in a day or so. After a few days, it's obvious it won't be that quick or easy. 
But Vim and Core aren't that worried. They never let Freddy see their faces or even hear them speak, so there's no way he can identify them later. They only communicate by slipping him messages on scraps of paper. Vim is just as careful with the ransom note. Just a few hours after the abduction, he drops a letter at a police station along with Freddy's swatch to prove they actually have him. The note has clear instructions. They want 35 million Dutch guilders, the equivalent of nearly 30 million U.S. dollars today. If the Heineken family is willing to pay up, they should take out a newspaper ad with a cryptic message. The meadow is green for the hare. A few days later, the message finally appears in the paper. Once Vim and Kor confirm that the ransom is ready, they lead police on what I can only describe as a cross-country scavenger hunt to deliver the money. Vim and Kor have buried a series of secret notes all across the Netherlands. Each one has a clue about where to find the next letter, and it finally ends with instructions for police to drop the money into a storm drain on a bridge. They had somehow rigged it so the money would fall through the drain into the gang's pickup truck waiting below. And as soon as they feel the money slam into the bed of the truck, they gun it and disappear into the night. Now that they have the money, Vim and Kor don't see any reason to risk heading back to the warehouse to uphold their end of the bargain. The gang buries the money in the outskirts of Amsterdam and then scatters, leaving Freddy and his driver to rot. It was a perfect plan, and it almost worked. Almost. Just two days after the ransom is paid, the police find the warehouse where Freddy is being kept. They burst in and release the two hostages. But by the time they get any leads on who did it, Vim and Cor are already in the wind. They make it all the way to Paris and spend three months hiding out. But at the end of February 1984, they're finally arrested by French police. This whole saga has been so wild, Vim and Kor are immediately two of the most infamous men in Europe. Vim especially. Kor may have been the mastermind of the plan, but Vim's cocky swagger and handsome looks make him the perfect, charming outlaw. He's also now extremely rich. The Dutch authorities managed to dig up most of the ransom money, but a few million dollars are still unaccounted for. According to rumors, Vim and Kor passed the money to some of their friends who invested it in Amsterdam's thriving sex trade. So while Vim and Kor are doing their stint in prison, their money is multiplying. And when Vim is released in 1992, after serving only five years, he's ready to start the next phase of his career. By this point, he's 34 years old, a global celebrity, and richer than he ever dreamed, all thanks to Freddie Heineken. So what music does Vim have the band play at the party to celebrate his release? The Heineken beer jingle, of course. Vim and Kor spend the next few years running legal sex clubs in Amsterdam's red light district. They had always planned to take the ransom money and go legit, which Vim is still hoping to do. But after his taste of crime, Kor is more interested in getting into the drug trade. Over time, their friendship becomes more and more contentious. Kor starts drinking heavily, which Vim looks down on because of his history with his father. And to make matters worse, Kor gives interviews for this book called Kidnapping Mr. Heineken, which becomes a bestseller in the Netherlands. 
The book clearly paints Core as the mastermind and Vim as the sidekick. And the thing is, Vim and Core aren't just friends or partners anymore. Core ends up marrying Vim's sister Sonia, which means they're technically family. But eventually, their relationship falls apart to the point of no return. Vim is tired of living in his friend's shadow. He's ready to get back in the spotlight, and he knows it'll never happen with Core in his way. On the afternoon of March 27, 1996, Core is sitting in his car just outside his house when a man walks up to the window. Core barely has time to react before the man pulls out a gun and starts shooting. Core is rushed to the hospital with bullet holes in his jaw, shoulder, back, and arm. But somehow, he's still alive. And the minute he gets out of surgery, he's ready for revenge. He can't talk because his jaw is wired shut, but he lifts up a hand and makes a gun with his fingers. Vim is right there with him the whole time, the perfect loyal friend. The minute Core is stable enough to leave the hospital, Vim sneaks him out of the country to a safe house. He tracks down two Dutch mobsters who supposedly put out a hit on him, but something seems off. When Vim comes back, he tells Core that he didn't kill the hitmen. He made a deal with them. Apparently, the gangsters will let Core live if he gives them a certain amount of money. Vim says, just give me the cash and I'll go pay them off and everything will be fine. But Core is suspicious. He refuses to give Vim the money. And when he heads back to Amsterdam, he hides out and doesn't tell Vim where he's living. Vim does everything he can do to find out. He even puts a gun to the head of Kor's seven-year-old son, Vim's own nephew, to try and get his sister to admit she knows where he's hiding. Vim says he's just trying to protect his friend, but his behavior says otherwise. Especially once Vim goes into business with the same gangsters who supposedly tried to kill Kor. When Kor finally resurfaces, the assassination attempts continue. He narrowly avoids a sniper attack in 2000, but in 2003, his luck finally runs out. He's shot to death in the street by two unidentified men. Vim acts like the whole thing is a tragedy. He even helps throw a gigantic, lavish funeral for Kor, complete with a procession of white limos and a horse-drawn carriage. But that's just about the last time Vim even pretends to care about his lifelong friend, partner, and brother-in-law. Once Core is gone, Vim happily takes over his side of the business. And one day, he orders his sister Sonia, Core's widow, to hand over all the money Core made from the Heineken job. Now that Core's dead, Vim says it should all belong to him. Core's murder was just the beginning. Pretty soon, rival gangsters are getting gunned down all across Amsterdam. The police can't pin any of the shootings on Vim, but everyone knows it's him. By the mid-2000s, Vim starts running an extortion scam that might sound familiar. He tells his marks that some rival gangsters are planning to put out a hit on them. If they give him money, he'll pay off the killers and they'll call it off. Of course, there aren't any other criminals. It's all Vim. This is the same exact thing he tried to do with Core a decade earlier, and apparently he's turned it into a full-blown business. But Vim was never the mastermind. 
his new business quickly backfires. In 2007, three of his extortion victims go to the police. And just like that, Vim is behind bars again. He's sentenced to nine years for extortion. The identities of the informants are supposed to be classified, but Vim has ears everywhere, including the Amsterdam Police Department. Over the next few months, all three informants are murdered. The message is clear. Vim may be in prison, but he's still in control, and he'll kill anyone who stands in his way, even his own family. Coming up, Vim's sisters try to take back their lives. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Now back to the story. Astrid and Sonia had always known that their brother Vim had something to do with Kor's murder. They keep hoping that someone will come forward with evidence, but nobody is willing to testify against Vim. Anyone who turns on him has a habit of winding up dead. Astrid and Sonia know that Vim would have no problem putting out a hit on them too. I mean, he killed his best friend and brother-in-law. He pointed a gun at his seven-year-old nephew without even flinching. But Vim is set to be released from prison in 2012, and his sisters are terrified of what he'll do when he gets out. After a lifetime of living under the shadow of Vim's violence, Astrid is willing to do anything to see him locked up for good before he can claim any more lives. And if she has to put her own life in danger to make it happen, that's a risk she's willing to take. When Vim gets out of prison in 2012, Astrid buys a small recorder and hides it in her bra. She's going to record every conversation she has with her brother until she gets proof that he's a killer. Now, Astrid knows how dangerous this is. Vim doesn't trust anyone, and he'll search her the minute he feels suspicious. If he finds out she's recording, he might even kill her right there on the spot. So the first time she goes to meet him, she puts on a sweater, a jacket, and wraps a big scarf around her neck to make sure the recorder is hidden. Unfortunately, it's a warm and sunny afternoon, and Vim notices immediately that she's overdressed. He starts tugging at the scarf, telling her it's too hot out, and Astrid feels the recording device slip out from inside her bra. Vim is standing right in front of her, so close that the recorder might fall and land right on his feet. But a moment passes, and nothing happens. When Astrid goes to the bathroom later, she realizes the device is stuck near the waistband of her pants. Tucking in her shirt that morning probably saved her life. Luckily, that first attempt doesn't scare Astrid off. Over the next two years, Astrid and Sonia secretly record countless conversations with their brother. The problem is, Vim is smart. He's careful not to admit anything illegal, even in front of his family. For instance, when he mentions killing an informant, he only says, I'll take care of that. And then he does like a finger gun, not exactly something that comes through on tape. 
The worst they get are recordings of Vim's violent outbursts and verbal abuse. The audio paints a portrait of a vengeful, abusive man, but it isn't evidence that he's a murderer. But after a year, Astrid and Sonia sit down with the police and tell them everything they know about their brother's life of crime. Their testimony is strong enough that the Justice Department thinks they can build a case against Vim. It takes more than a year of evidence gathering, but at the end of 2014, the police finally arrest Vim for the murder of five people, including Cor Van Hout. Soon after he's arrested, Vim puts out a hit on Astrid and Sonia, just as everyone expected. Luckily, the first attempt falls through, but Astrid knows it's only a matter of time before he tries again. She's so terrified that she completely abandons her life and goes into hiding. She quits her job as, no joke, a criminal defense attorney, moves out of her house, and bounces between a few different safe houses for the whole length of the trial. When she goes out in public, she wears a bulletproof vest. But she's not too afraid to testify. This is the sacrifice she knew she was making when she decided to turn on her brother. On March 24, 2015, Astrid and Sonia testify in court for the first time. And their stories completely shatter the public perception of Vim as a charismatic anti-hero. He's not the charming 20-something-year-old Heineken kidnapper anymore. He's a dangerous, violent 56-year-old man who grew up to be even more abusive than his father. Of course, Vim claims that he wasn't being serious on the recordings his sisters made. But along with their testimonies, there's a pretty compelling case against him. In July of 2019, the jury finally comes back with a verdict. Vim Holader is guilty of five murders and one case of manslaughter, including the murder of Cor Van Hout. He's sentenced to life in prison. But just because he's behind bars doesn't mean his sisters are safe. Even today, Astrid continues to live her life in hiding. She told The New Yorker that she regularly wears disguises when she's out in public. Sometimes she even dresses up as a man. Astrid obviously can't practice law anymore while she's in hiding, but she's spent her time writing a best-selling memoir about them, which is currently being adapted into a TV series. Which is no surprise. As I said earlier, Vim Holader's rise and fall feels like a classic gangster movie. But there's one major difference between real life and whatever TV show or film is eventually made about him. Real stories don't end. The credits never roll. Astrid has to figure out a way to keep living, day after day, even if it means putting on a fake nose or a wig whenever she feels like she's being followed. As Astrid writes in her memoir, Our life was no Godfather movie, no romantic portrait of a criminal family. It was a harsh reality in which one person made life miserable for the rest. But according to Astrid, it's all worth it. She and Sonia finally broke her family's cycle of abuse. They stood up and said enough is enough. And the world is a little safer because of it. Thanks for listening. Next week, I'll be back with another stop on our true crime world tour. 
For more information on Bim Holader, amongst the many sources we used, we found Judas by Astrid Holader extremely helpful to our research. And if you want to hear more, you can find all episodes of International Infamy for free on Spotify. International Infamy was co-created by Max Cutler and Ashley Flowers and is a Spotify original from Parcast starring Ashley Flowers. It's executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of International Infamy was written by River Donahue with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher. Fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez and research by Chelsea Wood. To hear more stories hosted by me, check out Crime Junkie and all AudioChuck originals. <laughs>